And he's back. Can you hear me? Now? I, I can hear you now. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, how is how's my volume on the on the voice right here? Is this good? Is it too loud or not? No, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. Okay. Now I don't I don't know how the audio is gonna sound with your, your cohorts in the same room. I've never had anybody do it on laptops in the same room before. We'll try it out. Um, basically, we just might do some muting. Now, we I, I've never used this particular platform, and, and uh, Corey, who just had to step out for a second, so he'll be back uh, in a couple minutes. But uh, he, he was under the impression that there would be some sort of soft mute inside here, but it appears that the only thing we have is we can just see each other. Um, okay. Now, I, I can't – I mean, I'm not, I've never used this recording platform, so I don't know. Um so I don't know. I don't know what it looks like from your side on a laptop. Period. Because oh, this is an this is basically an app. Yeah. Through the oh, service provider. All so. I see is it says Spotify for podcaster. It says recording. It has a timer. I see yep. your name as the host, and I see my name, and then leave recording, and that's all I see. Correct. Uh, and if and if you have to drop, then the recording ends at any time, unless there's multiple participants in there. Because I have had two or three guests on at a time. Okay, so John just connected. Yeah. So, like, if you disconnected right now, me and John would still be talking. But okay. if there's only one other participant in the room, then the app closes the call. So maybe since we're going to wait a couple minutes for Corey, John, you have a mute on your headset. Okay, just for the hell of it, unmute yourself. Now, I'm talking, and it sounds like there's a little bit of crosstalk coming through, my voice coming through on his mic. It's not terrible. Do you get uh, independent files for each voice? I do not. It, it all comes as one big audio file, the whole episode. Oh, it's all mixed. Okay. So there is no, in, so you can't go through and say, okay, I'm going to knock out the, the feedback on his channel. If I had an editor that could do that, that I didn't have to pay for, I'd be happy to, but because I don't have, you know, like Adobe audio or something like that. Well, you wouldn't really be able to do it unless you actually had the independent channels. Having one big channel like that would be nearly impossible to be able to knock that, that out without a lot of, editing um okay yeah. so we're just gonna have to work on using our manual mute here so well we'll make the best of it um so can we just wait a couple minutes for Corey to get back because we're actually at his house right now and he has okay. an emergency call from his daughter he had to go pick her up and he should be back just around the corner he'll be right back um yeah that's fine so yeah we're gonna have to just manually kind of mute ourselves now i'm gonna mute myself john why don't you do a sound check Testing, testing, one, two, three. How are we all doing tonight? Awesome, man. You sound like you're in a fighter pilot jet. <laughs> can you hear me? Yep, yep. can hear you okay. just fine. Okay. That's good. Uh... Audio sounds good. I don't hear much crosstalk coming through. I, I heard a little bit of twang earlier but it's not that bad yeah well when he had his mic like right now he's got his mic open and i can hear okay. myself a little bit coming through on his channel oh yeah yeah sitting next to each other i'd imagine that yeah. we're, we're probably awesome. 15 feet away but we, we we wanted to be able to see each other so that way we, we, we want to avoid a lot of uh talking over each other so gotcha. we wanted to be able to look at each other and, and see how we're going to handle certain questions and whatnot um I mean, if all else fails, man, pull out your phone and just just pass it around like a hot potato. And <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll 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 keep up with this. Like I said, we'll just use mute. So, like when 
we'll, we'll try to minimize it. We're not gonna. I'm overthinking it. I'm, I'm one of those people where. Oh, don't get nervous now. I just saw this podcast is uh, having a good conversation with a buddy you haven't spoken to in a while. Or maybe a relative that you don't mind talking to, but can't really stand, you know, visiting every so often. <laughs> See, laughs already. We're good. We're oh, good. yeah. So I forget, you're what, down in what, Alabama or something? I, I'm actually down on the on the Gulf Coast in the Biloxi area. And uh, over the last couple of years, you wouldn't believe how much comic territory actually comes through here. Wow. Uh, I've, been, I've been labeling it as the comic highway. Most people call it the flyover state, but you know, for comics, there's there's actually a Granville Highway through this state. You know, it's, um, Steve Butler is actually from here. He lives about 45 minutes away from me. Um, a sister store to the stash with connections to you know Kevin Smith and and Mike over there in New Jersey is literally right up the street. Um, you got. I just Excuse found me, out that the Dennis Space Center actually hosts comic events, which I didn't know about. That's interesting. Did uh, you hear about Kevin Smith? He's he quit smoking weed. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> right. That's been his brand since chasing Amy. I'm just like, wow. Hollywood elites finally got to him. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I saw the video he was talking about it, like, you know, mental issues and stuff. And I mean, if it's, you know, it's for his mental health, maybe it would help. But maybe he'll quit for a little while and realize, no, fuck this. <laughs> we was helping. I, I've <laughs> this always heard the opposite, though, when it comes to mental health. Like, that shit calms you down. Uh, I figure it's it can pr- probably be like Ritalin, you know. For some people, it's going to have the right effect. For the other people, it's going to have the opposite effect, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, I wonder if he's like getting out of the dispensary business then, because didn't he open like shops? <laughs> yeah, that would be a little weird. <laughs> I quit, but I still sell it because the money's just too damn good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's crazy. I actually, uh, I was actually planning on because my wife's a travel agent, and we were planning on going on that cruise he was hosting. But fuck, man, I love Kev to death, and I'd love to meet him. Like he's one of my you know, writing idols right up there, you know, next to Stanley and a bunch of other people that I've had the pleasure of talking to in my lifetime. But like, he really has a different, unique approach to creation. That's, that's much less um, traditional It's unorthodox. And he came up in a really weird way, which was probably in part due to credit card systems. But um, I'd love to meet him, but man, those those cruise price tickets, he just raised the, the prices on them, and my wife was looking into it. She was like, yeah, it's them. It's like they wanted like a chunk up front for deposits. Normally when you go on cruises, it's like three dollars $400 for the cabin, and that reserves your spot, and you can pay on it over time. If you're smart, you'll plan it a year in advance, so you got plenty of time to pay for it. Don't you know, don't do it in three months and expect to have two grand because, you know, something could come up at home and then you got to cancel and you lose that money. But yeah. I was, man, six, eight hundred dollars just to throw down on a horrible cabin, too, because those rooms went fast. But just for an opportunity to, to, to see him with, you know, a couple thousand other people, I was like, ah, I'll just wait. Maybe I'll get lucky and I'll spend some time at Scott's shop one day and maybe he'll pop in with Mike or something. You know, or maybe I'll just take a trip up to New Jersey and go watch a movie at his new theater. And maybe he'll just be there in the back, just watching a movie. And then I'll approach him 
<laughs> like, like I approached Austin St. John at, at, at a St. Tammany uh, convention. So uh, weird things happen like that all the time. It's just that that we could do, we could have a whole podcast episode about that, but that's not why we're here today. <laughs> no, it ain't. It's it's it is it is really weird though how that worked out. I wondered if that has anything to do with with you know his heart attack from years ago, and then he dropped all that weight, right? And then he went vegan. It's it's he's had a wild ride in his his mid years. It's been interesting to see that transformation go down because I listened to Smodcastle and all his other content. I used to I used to subscribe to his platform, but thirty dollars a month is kind of pushing it. Um, that was expensive and I'm, I'm already running a podcast of my own. So the expenses had to be temporarily postponed until, you know, my podcast make money one day. <clears throat> we want to do a little test on Corey's audio, if you don't mind, John, why don't yeah, you mute, mute yourself, John? Hey Mike, how's it going? How's it going, Corey? Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, you too. Sorry. I'm a little bit late. My, uh, my oh. daughter is an insufferable, uh, 12 uh, year old. So, who demanded I go get her just as uh, we were about to start? Well, I got a 15, a 12, a 10, and a six-year-old. Oh man! So I feel your pain, but hey, family, family comes first. Absolutely, absolutely. But right around the, around the corner. How do I sound? You sound great. Y'all sound great. Everybody sounds great. Nice. Uh, like Mike said, we'll just have to. I guess you guys will just have to practice the mute button. I was born sounding great. Yeah, I, <laughs> I worked in a call center. I'm a master of the mute. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I listened to a lot of Paul Harvey growing up. So hence the podcast. Nice. <laughs> Everybody knows who Paul Harvey is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> he really was a legend in the business of, 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 uh, of radio. Oh yeah. Well, I gotta say, I, lo- I loved your, uh, um, your single podcast on the development of character, uh, as a writer. That was just, uh, that was a cool listen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no uh, Whoever caught that great catch on the last episode for Deadlines, I was doing a short take on on Phil Russert's uh, Facebook post, who was a guest a couple a couple weeks ago, and I recorded that using the laptop side, and it only allows you thirty minutes, so you have to be quick about it, which is why I use the app because the app lets you go over thirty minutes to, you know, however long. I think the longest I've ever recorded was about an hour and forty five minutes. And I was just like, what? No audio. And I went to go listen. I was like, well, I'll be. So I had had to change the title to, you know, um, I I forgot what I changed it to. And then I did an update on the page. Everybody knows. Thankfully, it's only got four plays. So (laughs) only four people know about it. But just two of them were probably me because I checked it on two different platforms. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I thought it was my Spotify. I'm like, oh, I'm going to check iHeart, too. And I'm like, son of a gun. (laughs) You know, you know, I've heard of people doing that. They'll like, they'll go listen to their stuff like three or four times a day, all week long, to try and push their numbers up. So the algorithm bumps them up in the search end. <laughs> I'm just like, man, it, it's enough to put the show notes and sequester guests and come up with content and then write show scripts and then do the copy and then make the images. Then I don't have any energy for all the other stuff. So you know, whoever listens to it, listens to it. One day, some of the content will be, you know, a resource where people will just find it and maybe I'll get, you know, rich from advertising on the back end when I'm like 55. Like, where did this come from? (laughs) But uh, I appreciate the compliment. That's what we call passive residual income. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's actually harder to make than people realize. It's yeah, yeah. Videos say. <laughs> that good with content. But uh, if you guys are ready, done sound checks and stuff. Do it. Do it. I said, let's do it. Let's get to the chopper already. <laughs> wow, that was a good Arnie. I like that. That was a good Arnold. Have you seen my new show on Netflix? It's called Fuba. <laughs> it's ridiculous that whole show just to set up that one line it was crazy i know it Uh, looks like he's just redoing true lies kinda only if you know true lies were a tv show that's actually a good way to pitch that i'm just gonna throw this out there i do not want to see jamie lee curtis in the lingerie scene now isn't there a true lies tv show coming out is there i heard it got canceled actually it was already canceled like it move Maybe maybe he picked up Fubar as an FU. <laughs> Don't want to make my show. I'll go over here for Netflix. They did. No, wasn't it? Wasn't Tom? Them. Wasn't Tom Arnold or something? Yeah, Tom Arnold. No, Tom Arnold was in True Lies. Yeah, I thought they were setting up a TV show. Anyway. <laughs> these, are the, these are commercials I see passively. My wife's watching TV. I don't watch TV. <laughs> I try not to, man, but I got to have something in the background sometimes keep me creatively motivated. Like, this is what I'm working towards. Um, at least me anyway. Anyway, for the audience out there, we're here with the Diabolical Trio from Grimsteel Games. And I'm your host, Inevitable Mike. And tonight we're talking about a really cool, I want to say TTC GRPG, right? Tabletop trading card game, role-playing game. Right. I'm not sure I would necessarily call it trading card because everything you want comes in one box. There's not going to be – you don't have to buy additional components to get uh, – So a TTRPG then? <coughs> you could call it that. You can call it whatever the heck you want to call it. <laughs> I, I just call it a board game because I'm not big on categories. Yeah. Unfortunately, those algorithms, they want you to categorize it. They're like, okay, so is this an RPG? Is this a game? Is it a board game? Is it a TTRPG? Uh, I, I think I'd classify as a TTRPG because I just backed one. Uh, Corey likes to call it a card game or a card. What do you call it? It is a <laughs> card based board game with light RPG elements. There we go. <laughs> SEO is over there having a connection fit because it can't monetize that in a small. <laughs> <laughs> That's like eight keywords packed into one right there. Yeah. I'm verbose. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not quiet. You've reached your 10-word limit. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's go ahead and go down the thing. Um, the bios are pretty stacked, so um, let's go ahead and introduce uh, Mike Menard as the president. That's me. That's all right. Mike Mike claims the mantle of leading Grimsteel Vision to completion. So, Mr. Leader, leader person, uh, explain yourself. Tell, tell my audience who you are, a little bit about, a little bit about yourself and the origins of Grimsteel Games and how this game came to be. Well, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I have an IT company that I operate here in Massachusetts. And uh, this group that you're talking to right now, we've been friends since middle school. And we've always toyed around with the idea of creating games of some sort. And uh, Grim Steel started as just saying, hey, let's, let's do something from creating maybe adventure modules for RPGs. You know, we we you know, come up with some ideas where we're going to maybe do uh, some Pathfinder, maybe some Savage Worlds, maybe do some of our own our own RPG system. Um, we toyed around with it for a while. And then at one point we decided it might be a really congested type of area. So maybe we'll work on something that's a little bit 
less congested. And I, I thought maybe board games would be less congested, but there are several hundred come up per month. So we're just having fun right now. Well, I mean, now. Yeah, absolutely. You could thank Kickstarter for that because, I mean, that that was the thing that turned its heels on everything, really, from, and you know, invention to comics. But it's really benefited comics and board games like you guys. It's because it allows you to ask for capital and then produce on the back end, which is the opposite of the original model, which is come up with capital, invest in the product, and then make your money, right? So... It's, I'm, I'm sure it's been pretty exciting. Corey Tomlinson is your editor in chief. Uh, tell us a little bit about a little bit about yourself, Corey, and what it was what's what what it was like for you know to for you to edit the game and the process, kind of working with Mike. Well, you know, I've I've been looking for a useful outlet for my uh, my very useful English uh, literature degree for you know 20, 30 years now. So um, when we when we started talking about this, and I've always been a writer, uh, I've worked in marketing, uh, mostly content marketing for my whole career. And, you know, it, it's awesome, you know, financial and tech and all that stuff, but to actually sit down and, and work on something that's, you know, one with, with people who I've, I've known for so long. And I, John and I actually go back to uh, elementary school um, before oh, we wow. met Mike. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, he's, he suffered through me being my friend for a long time <laughs> and we've uh, you know, we've always talked about this and, and to do something creative with, with guys as awesome as this, you know, I think the best part about it is isn't so much like the sitting down and editing or anything. It's those those rare those weird moments where something just absolutely random will cause us all to like bend over laughing and in tears because that's just what you know that's just what makes it tick. You know, it's not about the money, it's not about anything like that. We whether it's in the middle of the game or just like some random cultural reference that we make during during the our our weekly talks, it's um, you know, it's a dream come true and you know, we haven't sold a product yet. So uh it, it's it's been a blast. Oh, I wish you would, because I would really like to play. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, bye, bye. There's no bye. Why is there no bye? Email, email now. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll tell you a funny story. I actually uh, um, showed my my current uh, boss at, at work the uh, the revamped website today and um, told her I was geeking out about the the art and everything. And she, she just says, I, I can't, I really want to bring this game to my book club and have them play it. So that, that'll tell you something about the appeal okay. and, you know, kind of interesting. I, I want to be a fly on the wall when that happens. It'll be interesting. It's not, not really our demographic, but, you know, uh, Midwest book clubs for, um, you know, for career women, but <laughs> it's definitely not our ICP, but there it is. My wife's tried books clubs. She said it's not for her. <laughs> good wife <laughs> but um so so gene is john sorry i'm looking at the french interpretation of this jean is jean the crazy yeah is the creative mind behind grim still adventures and content tapping into his extensive knowledge of role-playing games video games comic books novels movies so you seem to be the pop culture expert of the group am i correct yeah Yes, that is that would be an accurate description. You said that so shame, so shamefully. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ashamed of that, man. That's what this panel's for. <laughs> so, 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 what well, I mean was, I'm, I'm, I'm like Mike is the owner, and this is you guys' endeavor as a trio and as a group of friends, which is very you know heartfelt. But was like the idea of the games your inception or was it you know diabolical dave's rumble well, I, there was a point where 
Mike had just thrown out that he was saying like, uh, you know, maybe when he gets close to retirement or something, he was going to maybe do, you know, maybe do some kind of gaming company. And I had thought about it for a week and I made some suggestions of, you know, what he could do with some uh, gaming scenarios, adventures, that sort of thing. And he liked it. And we were like, you know what? Fuck it. Why don't we just do this now? Why wait? And uh, excuse the F-bomb. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to title this as explicit. So drop as many as you want to. Okay. <laughs> um, so from there, you know, it, it just kind of took off. And I am a, what could easily be described as a super nerd. I love everything from Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Lord of the Rings, if there's a franchise out there, I probably know a lot about it. So, which comes in very handy when we come up with ideas and I can sit there and go, nope, Simpsons did it. <laughs> you know. So then I guess you got a lot of insight on the scrolls coming to the MCU then, huh? Oh, don't even get me started on Secret Invasion. <laughs> I just reread the whole thing and all the separate tie-in things and everything. I am so excited. About time Marvel needs to put out something new. Yeah, they're going to botch Aside it. Aside from the movies. They're going to botch it. Mm. I, I, I got high hopes. <laughs> so, so do I, but I, I find myself more disappointed than uh, than not. Although I've heard Spider-Man 2 has been turning that around for people. Uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man movie, the animated one. But um, so... Anytime there's a board game that comes out, people probably want to know. I especially want to know because I didn't know there was any other board game out there like the one I just backed on Kickstarter not too long ago. And that one involves uh, a bunch of wrestling nerds who actually know people like Kurt Angle and Rob Van Dam who took all these old IP superstars from previous brands like WCW, ECW, WWE, TNA before they were Impact. Um and put them into this game and, and sold it and packaged it all together along with like Mike Cardona and then Andre the Giant and Macho Man. Oh, yeah. You know, like why, why wrestling? I mean, did you guys used to have wrestling matches in your backyard like I did when I was coming up? All right, this one's for me. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few things on this one. All right, so first of all, I'm a big wrestling fan from back in the day I, I some people don't want to hear this but i don't watch wrestling now i watched wrestling in the 80s 90s and early 2000s and there's kind of a cutoff point i want to say somewhere around 2007 i'm, I'm guessing that, that was a good time to stop when tx uh, reformed so then diabolical dave is actually my father because he's the one that got me into wrestling so i decided i want to memorialize him I I shouldn't say memorialize. I should say eternalize him as a character. Um, And, you know, I remember I went, used to go to see live wrestling all the time. We used to get together. I would, my parents were divorced when I was younger and I would go to my father's house on the weekends. And uh, that's where I would watch. That's my only access to TBS. So that's when I, the only place I could really watch uh, NWA back in the day. Um, But yeah, as far as the game goes, we didn't want to go down that road of, trying to use real superstars we have ideas of 
we've turned ourselves into superstars. We've got other friends we've turned into superstars. We've got deceased friend that we turned into a superstar. Uh, and we do have some other things in the work. We're talking with this other guy, David, and he's going to, he's got a group of independents that we're going to use to create, uh, I think we're calling it just the loose term is the invasion. It kind of to, uh, thinking about back when they had ECW invading WWF, something similar to that, where we're going to have independent wrestlers that are going to give us use to their likenesses to be able to create superstar cards and, and bring them into an expansion. Awesome. So I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> I was well, gonna... I want to I interject too, because Mike, Mike is over. You, you said something about backyard wrestling and one of my most painful re- memories. And I played ho- ice hockey. I still play ice hockey. I'm, I'm in my mid forties. And one of my most painful memories was Mike putting me in the Boston crab in his bedroom at his, in his mom's house um, and going, does this hurt? So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we absolutely did backyard wrestle. Um, and Mike always had the upper hand for some reason. I don't know why that was. <laughs> that, that brings me back to my glory days living in Vegas. I had friends who used to watch pay-per-views. And then we go in the backyard and we break, you know, his friend's dad's tables. And we use Sub-Zero masks as Rey Mysterio masks. And I powerbombed a lot of people. There was a lot of figure four ankle locks and definitely a lot of trash talking. My father used to work in Texas and he'd come back and he would go over the border to text into Mexico and actually get me authentic wrestling masks and bring them back. Oh, nice. Lucky. I'm jealous now. You should be. <laughs> I went to Tijuana, man, when I was like 10, 10 years old and I saw those masks and this is before I rediscovered wrestling after realizing that the first match I ever, I ever watched was Bundy and Ric Flair on pay-per-view on TV. I didn't know that what that much was until I, I got older. It was the really bloody cage match that they had, the grudge match that like turned the point of history, I think, for, for pro wrestling to be, you know, as violent as it was. The bloodiest match I remember seeing was Wahoo McDaniel and Manny Fernandez in a, I think it was a bull rope match. I think that was probably the bloodiest one I ever saw, but I don't even remember what year that was. It sounds like shades of the JBL John Cena match in 2003. That was a really bloody match too. That TV cut him out really good. I'm actually not that impressed by some of the, uh, especially the overuse of weapons nowadays. Sometimes I'll be, you know, scrolling through Instagram and I see some of these wrestling and it's like, they got like light bulbs and tables. And and to me that that doesn't impress me to see somebody just landing on something painful that to me, that's not, I don't know. Maybe I should, I don't know. I don't think it's wrestling to me. To me, that's just, you know, enduring pain and, and getting up to, to do it again. Sounds like a, an episode of Jackass to me. <laughs> More exactly. than anything, it sounds like an episode of Jackass to me. The, the, like the storytelling is, is just not there. The the, the drama is not quite as as refined as it as it used to be. And it, it's just, hey, look at pain. Well, okay, great. If I want to see pain, I can I can go. <laughs> yeah, the the northeast wrestling promotions that that David Arquette punished himself with after his acting career ended to recapture and I guess legitimize his WCW championship days <laughs> long after he was done acting. Um, that that's what those were. They, they no stories. It was just gladiator wrestling for those who wanted to get their asses tore up. I mean, it was ridiculous. If you watch his biography, he 
they show you matches of it. And there was the one night that he like almost died getting, uh, getting hit with, uh, one of those long led lights almost cut his carotid. It was nuts. I don't know why people do that. I, I used to love wrestling for the story. The stories haven't changed much over the years, but the drama has been kind of Hollywooded, you could say. And they're just regurgitating old storylines. Um, I don't watch it much anymore. The AEW stuff seems more exciting, but eventually they'll get out of that too because they'll want to be bigger. And the bigger wrestling gets, it usually just usually doesn't interest me. I would have loved to have like an ROH in my backyard. We have uh, we have DCW here, and they're I think an Alabama coastal promotion, but they come over to. They come over here a lot in Biloxi in the Gaucher area. I know some of the people who were over there that I trained with at SWA in Hattiesburg before before I quit and chose to be a father because I was given an ultimatum. Should have chose the latter, but, you know, things happened the way they did. I had a, a scenario where I was working with a, a promotion up here called Millennium Wrestling Association. It's probably 99, 2000. Um, and I tried, you know, I have no physical ability when it comes to that stuff. I couldn't even get past the, just taking, you know, giving yourself bumps where you got to just flip right. over and yeah. it was rough. And at that point I said, okay, I'm going to help you guys out another way. Helped them with a website, did some camera work. We actually filmed a couple of promos at Jason Knight's dojo down in Connecticut. Um, the funniest thing, there was this guy called the masked janitor and it was just a comical character. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm bringing back into this game. You know, we, we talk about these things a lot, but we, we'd like to say that Diabolical Dave's Rumble Throwdown is a, the complete wrestling experience. And I think some of those other games you've seen out there, it's really just a one-on-one match. It's, you know, two people get together, they, you know, play against each other. DDRT is the whole thing. You've got somebody playing the commentator for the event. So they're calling, you know, back and forth what's happening and they're making it up because when you play our moves the moves stay on the table it's not like the match goes back and forth it's like you're you're fighting a superstar and you got to beat a number and somebody could throw a weapon in there somebody else could nullify one of the moves with a no sell and the commentator is going to be calling the action if you do something that could get you disqualified you got to roll the dice um there are different phases. You got the roll call. It's kind of like when somebody shows up at the arena, they have to draw cards. Anything could happen. They could be, you know, diabolical. Dave could say, Hey, we're taking the title off you tonight. It could be anything. You're turning heel tonight. So there's some randomness to what happens when, when your turn starts, the person that gets to play the commentator, they can strategically decide who goes when on the card for the night. So that that way they could put themselves in the front or in the back of the card. But we just like to bring back, the eighties and the nineties of, of wrestling where it was the whole show, not just two guys in a ring and however good or bad they are in the ring is what determines the whole show. Or the any promotions. Sometimes the announcer was the promoter. So that's completely accurate. <laughs> like, I hope you're going on first. You're, you're match two. You're, you're pinning it down. We're giving the strap to end the night. <laughs> it's, it's crazy when you break that barrier though, and you find out all that stuff and kayfabe, the kayfabe goes away and you find out politics behind the stage. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Speaking of story though, what, what, um, what separates it from, and you know, any other tabletop game out there other than, you know, it's, it's narrative driven. 
um, and you're not using characters that are like real life wrestlers. You guys are bringing in, you know, characters that you guys have put in time in creating like designs, specific gimmicks. That's that's a very time consuming process. Well, I think that, you know, the one thing, one of the things that there's, there's several things that, you know, obviously we're all gonna, we're all gonna think that it's the, the most amazing thing ever because we're creating it. Right. But w- one of the things that's, that sets it apart is just the, the quality of, of the design, the, the, the art, I, I, like I said earlier, I was geeking out about a couple of the other pieces of art, um, our, our artist and our, our graphic design. So the art is done by, uh, by, um, a guy in uh, Italy called Giulio Fanfoni. And he's he's just incredible. He he captured our style. It, we didn't even have to tell him what our style was, and he captured it. He, <laughs> I think he read our minds. We didn't even know what we were talking about, and he came back with his first designs, and it was just like, oh my god, this is it. This is it. This is this is fucking fantastic. Like, like we love it. Go, keep on going. And at the time, I think at the beginning, we were thinking, hey, you know, we might have, you know, like Magic the Gathering way back in the day, right? There was different artists. And you had different styles of art and we're like, you were thinking, yeah, maybe we'll do that. We'll give some people some opportunities. We'll have some different style and everything. And he hit it and he, he just nailed it. And then, um, you know, our graphic designers, Alago Studios has just really kind of tied everything together. So just the quality of, of the art that you're seeing. And there's, there's a lot of cards in this game. There's a, there's a lot of superstars. There's a lot of moves. There's a lot of gear. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, there's not a card that we look at that, that we, we don't go, Oh, this is awesome. Like th- there's some aspect of this that we, we see something like that. But when it comes down to it, um, I think it was John's brother, Chris, who, who play tested for us early on and who really nailed the idea that the RPG element to this game, and it's like, I call it RPG light, right? You're not, there's no stats. You're not, you're, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, level 18 paladin and blah, 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 blah. But he really captured and got into it. And Chris is not a wrestler. Like the, he's an artist. He, I don't think he's ever watched a wrestling match in his life. And he just dove into the, Oh, my wrestler's name is this. And I'm going to, and he was up and he was looking around and he was the commentator and he was cracking up. And, and was just, that was just an eye opening moment for us because it was more than just when we play tested it online to get the rules down and to get it going, yeah, that there's an element of we, we did a little bit of the RPG, but to have somebody else come in and look at it and go, I'm going to give life to my character. I'm a heel and I'm going to be a bad guy and I'm going to screw you over and I'm going to do it in the most fun, most ridiculous ways ever. Um, that was an eye opening moment for us. I think that's the difference that more than anything else is the difference. You're not just playing. And honestly, I don't even care if I win or lose when I'm playing it. I want to crack up. I want, I want to, I, we, we, we do a lot of our play testing at a, uh, a local game store. Um, I'll plug them games and friends. They've been awesome uh, hosting us on Monday nights and I, we've interrupted their D and D game up front several times because we got <laughs> over the top <laughs> and then you get, you get a group of like eight people who all turn their head and look at you because you did so, you said something stupid and you know, we'll, I'll be honest. We we can we can cross some lines when when we're playing. We we try not to cross those lines when we're public. But still, they look and they're like, "What the heck is going on over there?" And and the uh, uh, one of the women who works there has has like walked by and said, "I really need to play this sometime because you guys are you guys are having too much fun." So I think I think that's the the important thing. It's just fun. Um, it, yes, it's it's challenging. We we've always you know we've crossed the line do we want to make a simulation do we want to make it strategic do we want to make it just pure fun pure comic whatever the case may be and 
I think we packed a lot of that in there, but in the end, that's the top, right? Like if, if we're, if I'm showing this off to friends and saying, you have to try this out. I, I think that that we, we captured it. And I, I just haven't seen that in, in some of the other wrestling games that we've looked at. God, what was that old marketing phrase? Uh, I can't remember. Get in the game. Maybe it was an NFL phrase from back in the day. They were like, you're not just in the game. You are the game. Get in the game. Maybe it was a Gatorade commercial. I can't remember. Sounds awfully, awfully similar, though. But that, okay, so the engagement, the engagement part of it, where you're not just throwing around cards and you're not just throwing around stats and it's not tactical, but, but you're, you're a part of the show. Like you are the show. The players are the show. The game is just the tool. And the object is to have fun. Yeah, after coming off this period of isolation, uh, we've play tested this game online using Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia, but it's it's you have to be in the same room with the people to really get the, the, the true engagement. You have to be able to see their faces, you know, and see if somebody's bluffing on something. There are so many different game mechanisms at play in this. It's not just one thing or another. I mean, the, the list of mechanisms in this game is is pretty long. The last time I checked, it was probably like 15 different things that were part of this experience. Um, I, I wanted to focus. Oh, John's walking away. Um, Hold on a second. Sorry about that. We just had a brief interruption. We can edit this out, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I like the fluidity, the authenticity. (laughs) Um, Much like a real wrestling show, if the show pauses, the audience gets to thinking about looking, heads turning. Right, right, exactly. And you see some of those, <laughs> there are awkward pauses in pro wrestling too, which is kind of funny. You know, and, and we, uh, I think one of the things that we've, we've actually had to, we, we've seen, we've seen a variety of play testers who have, you know, who, who have engaged like up and down, like, you know, people who are really into it, like, like John's brother and like us. And you had people who are quieter, who, um, who will, uh, will remain nameless, but who, who have, uh, who, who've contributed to the game and, you know, they, they see the tactical aspects for what it is. And, you know, they, they capture it. <laughs> It, it, you we've come at it from like six different directions and people have played it from six different, you know, aspects. And, and to the point where we've, we've had people who've been so mad because it is kind of in, in a way it's an FU game. There are FU elements to it, you know, weapons and, and disqualifications and, and ways to screw with people. So there is a, Oh, is it Mike? Is it take back or take that? It's a take that. You can't have wrestling without a take that mechanism because then it's just a boring Euro. Right. So there there is, yeah, there is a take that aspect of it. The FU aspect, I like to call it. It's like going back to the old uh, uh, Uno Hearts game that we used to play with a friend. The one of the the guy who's actually memorializing the game is deceased. He used to call it F the Pollock. Um, And, you know, there was, there was just that aspect of it. And, and we've have literally had people who say, Hey, you know what? Hey, I'm going to do that. I'm playing it that way. I'm going to, I'm going to screw with everybody at the table today. And, and, and it's still fun that way. And it's still playable that way. And just for the record, the guy who used to call it F the Polak was Polish. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because I may, I may have just gotten canceled by saying that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Nobody picks on Polish people. And you'll never be canceled. <laughs> What is canceling anyway? <laughs> the thing I cancel is subscriptions. You know, I tried that for about a month. 
And then after about a month, it was like, yay, we're saving money. And then my wife wanted to watch something. And she's like, it's on that streaming service. I was like, yeah, well, watch something else. We've got DVDs. And the next thing you know, I've got all my subscriptions back again. So that didn't work. What's a DVD? (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean RVD? (laughs) Mr. Mr. Monday Night. Oh, man. Uh, my bad. I, I forgot DVDs were being phased out. Oh, man. I, I have, probably haven't used any of them in about a year, but I, I have them on standby. I don't have any DVD players. I have an Xbox that plays DVDs. So I thought about just getting rid of TV altogether, but I'm like, how can I connect with the rest of the world? That's like just going to live outside if I throw my TV away. I've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> TV is the poison god machine. <laughs> Oh, God, recording Nevermore now? <laughs> yes. To turn this into a conspiracy episode real fast. <laughs> or a conversation about obscure metal, too. So, I mean, let's be honest. I think every facet of the world that we live in that it's been engineered since 1903 is pretty much an objective in some way. <laughs> It's never been right since the World's Fair. It's never been right. Um, let's revisit this topic. I was I was scouring over the notes and I wanted to yeah, uh, I'm looking at the notes too. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to talk I wanted to I wanted to hear from from John on this. Uh, building more than just the game, giving characters life and personality, uh, hopes to expand on the game world in future games. But more, more on the like the characters and the personality. They're they're inspired by the likenesses from um, deceased friends in their honor, uh, friends that you guys have been close with. Um, but are there are there any characters in 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 specific that you guys had really worked on designing and fleshing out personalities and kind of how that process works? Um, I, I see here they're thematically influenced by comic books. <laughs> well, yeah. Um... <clears throat> To me, uh, there's you see a lot of comic books in wrestling in general. The the battle between good and evil, the heels, the faces. It, it's uh, you know the common themes of the, the hero versus the villain, their journey. Sorry, one second. Just had to clear my throat. So we wanted to reflect that, or at least hide it in the a lot in the the wrestling game and. You definitely see that in the the superhero uh, gimmick. And to go along with it, we added two managers, General Sam Rage and uh, Dr. Lionel Lecter. Now, the the names are, you know, going to Sam Rage is, you know, kind of like Nick Fury, but it's a a combination of uh, Sam Lane, General Sam Lane from DC Comics and a variation of Nick Fury and Lionel Lecter is a, you know, of course, Hannibal Lecter with a little bit of Lionel Luther thrown in. I always loved Lionel Luther. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of John Glover. So, you know, there's definitely that influence put in there. Um, you'll see, you know, some other little Easter eggs and references like uh, Mr. Kobayashi I'm sure some fans of Star Trek will get that reference. Oh, is that uh, the dude in the uh, the Oni mask? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. He's on the he's on the image. 
Yep, he's gonna. He's one of the managers, and in honor of Star Trek, we we named him Mr. Kobayashi. If I was so playing that and he were my manager, I would make the loser do Senpuku. <laughs> just hardcore Bushido, like <laughs> you lost this shame. Kill yourself. Reclaim your honor. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that out there. I'd say because you know, and that's the world building we want to do. Looking further down the road, we want this to, you know, I don't want, of course, give anything away, but we want to expand upon this world. So that they're not just, you know, uh, a cool-looking res- picture of a wrestler on a card. There's depth to the character. They have personalities. They have interesting backstories and ongoing stories that the the player is going to be interested in. We're thinking about having uh, one of those Kickstarter stretch goals. Have uh, Julio drop some uh, comics to kind of emphasize how the game is played, but also giving some. Uh, depth to the characters and giving them a backstory and whatnot and maybe even have a a booklet that kind of highlights that the, the superstar cards themselves don't give you much of that they just give you the name their styles and their finisher um but we don't get into origins on the cards gotcha well except for that that every every one of them has a quote or a descriptor text and some of the quotes and descriptor text i mean we have we have some fun with as well uh we just we just actually went through those recently um as part of the development and looking at them trying to make like more quotes and um, you know, th- those, I think they, they hint at it. They, they, you know, just one line of text is hard, but you know, you see those challenges all the time, tell a story in one sentence. And we are trying to do that with all the characters. And some work better than others. Uh, and some are going to be completely inside jokes. Obviously there's a couple of them in there uh, that, and I think that it'll be very obvious when, when you play the game, which ones are inside jokes and, and you look and go, what the heck does that mean? Well, that that's an inside joke right there. Um, maybe we'll, we'll hide that in so, somewhere on the website to say, Hey, this is where that comes from or, or give a little, uh, hint to it, but we'll show them the potato gun video. <laughs> now I'm intrigued. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that's not a bad stretch goal weapon. The potato gun. <laughs> oh man. That's, that sounds painful. <laughs> it was, and none of us was the one that received it. Just How much that. did we pay for that? $39. <laughs> it was a bet. Yeah, yeah. Memorial Day parties were uh, were quite. It, it wasn't a bet. We just flat out paid him to get shot with a potato gun. Right. <laughs> it's not Outside a bet. St. Patty's Day parade. <laughs> no, it's Memorial Day, but yeah, um, uh, his his wife didn't talk to me and, and a friend of my, mine for a month. I don't think because she was still pissed about it. I think it was as long as the bruise took to go away. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the potatoes give me PTSD for that horrible. St. Patty's Day parade that I walked through one time. I got hit in the face with one of those. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I had no idea they throw vegetables at St. Patty's Day parade. I didn't know that was a thing. And I was I was I was peeved, man. I picked it up off the ground and I threw it at the people inside the cart. <laughs> there was kids in there and everything. People were looking at me crazy. Like I had never been to a St. Patty's Day parade. I wore green. I didn't ask to be thrown vegetables at. Like, what? As soon as you said you got hit in the face with a potato, first thing I thought of was the Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I did. I did. However, well, when you do, you'll know. Friends. You'll know. Oh, I'll be looking forward to that. I'm, I'm waiting for it to drop on a streaming service that I own because I just don't want to spend the money to go see it. it was, oh, I got. I watched it on Paramount Plus. It was 
They did a fantastic job. See, because the original Dungeons and Dragons movie from '97, the one I checked sucked from the library and watched at home, I was I was very disappointed. Even Jeremy Irons couldn't save that garbage. <laughs> you got you got it from the library, and you still wasted money on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, two dollars. I want my two dollars. That's okay. Um, I I went and saw uh, man, um. Oh, the uh, the Mario movie, and on the counter, um, it was late. It was like ten thirty. On the counter, though, was like those uh, promotional prints from the Dra- Dungeons and Dragons movie, and I was like, "There's nobody around." Whoop! <laughs> um, it said they're free, so I just grabbed the whole stack, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got my two dollars back. <laughs> they might not be the same company, but it's the same franchise. No, I haven't. I haven't played since like uh, I think two point five. So very familiar with all the same, all the same fantasy stuff they've been spewing up since they since the inception of it, though. But um, yeah, I'm 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 glad I'm glad to hear they did a good job because the only thing I was really wanting to watch it for was that Albert. They they really honestly did. They yeah. really did. Right. I can't say cool. enough good things, so I'm just gonna shut up now. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to tell everybody who went to go see because it's all over my threads, all over social media. Spider Man was great. There's seven cameos. There, there's MCU characters. I'm like, ah, throw my computer out the window. Hope it lands in the tub. Like, <laughs> I know spoilers. Oh God, they drive me nuts. It's not. It's not so much the spoil. The ones that I can't stand are like, oh man, did you see? There were two other Spider Mans in that movie. And then, like, it gets you thinking, like, oh, man, they just ruined it for me. Like, if you were to tell me the story, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. But, like, it won't set in until I physically go see it. But if you tell me that Sam Samuel L. Jackson from the What If series is in the Spider-Man movie, and I'm going to be like, ass. Because <laughs> yeah, I want that to be a surprise. Making connections. Yeah, right. I want that to be a surprise. And See, and I'm probably the only one, but when I actually saw the first Harry Potter movie, I was really surprised his teacher was Voldemort. I didn't <laughs> read the rest of those fucking books because I wanted to be surprised. I'm like, no, I really enjoyed that. I like being surprised. I'm gonna not read those. Still haven't. <laughs> no, it's funny. I actually I did the reverse. I read I read all the books and I still haven't watched the last three movies. <laughs> are are you shocked, John? No, not really. <laughs> I tried to read the books, man. The, the Chamber of Secrets was about as hard as a read as the second Twilight book was. Oof. Not not so much the, the teenage brooding uh, over a shiny vampire love love lost, um, but it was it was still pretty grim. Why would you admit that on the air? <sighs> we're we're just gonna bypass that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ignore that you said that because you can edit this shit out. That's why. <laughs> Hit that 15 second skip button. It's it's the content that sells, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, it's even worse. I'll share this with you. When I was 22, uh, my first wife before we were married, I uh, you know those things you do for you know really hot chicks that you want to impress that you will probably regret when you're 35. Ding ding ding, winner over here. Yeah. I uh, dressed up and uh, all black. Was uh, I've been doing insanity, so I was looking really good, and my hair all done, and uh, I let her spray that shiny, sparkly shit on me, and then I wore vampire teeth, and I was like, man, I hope I get laid tonight. 
Um, and I did, but you know, it wasn't worth it. it. <laughs> no, not really. Huh? It was the midnight premiere to Eclipse, I believe. Yeah. Even though the last movie was was okay because all the action, I, I still didn't really care for all the uh, the emotional uh, the emotional stuff that grownups don't care about when it comes to love when they get older. Yeah, you're 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 talking <laughs> to three guys who literally sat down and played the White Wolf uh, vampire series, and we're all rolling our eyes at you right now. Just I'm I'm gonna admit it. If you can't hear that sound, we're all rolling our eyes at you right now. Oh god. <laughs> We remember when vampires were scary. I know that's <laughs> and didn't sparkle. Yeah, it was. I mean, leave it, leave but, it up. To, but know. I do feel for you because I know how hard it is to get off glitter from all the strip clubs I've been to. That <laughs> shit is not easy to wash off. It's not whether it comes out of champagne or whether it comes out of a spray bottle like cologne or perfume. That's just it's not. not. It's and I mean. When it gets on your nutsack, that's just with all the folds and shit. So speaking of vampires, we do have a vampire character, Damon Fang. Nice circle. Who is also represented on the unnatural card. It's a beautiful segue. <laughs> beautiful segue. Right before lines were to go Red Cross. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, actually uh, I, I, I did the frontage for the, the show. And I was like, it kind of feels light because I only picked six people from the images off the off the site. And then, um, and then I was like, well, let's just, let's pack it out from the the throwdown page. And I saw the vampire. I was like, where am I gonna put him at? And then I put him in a back. I was like, that's really cool because he reminds he, he not reminds me of, but it's like a cross between you know. I'm not gonna say that because you guys will probably be like, you know what, we're gonna leave now. Um, Gangrel from you know the early early 2000s late 90s attitude era for wwe they had that vampire love them brood yeah so that was that was really cool so it was my clan you have supernatural characters like in the in the canon for like the wrestling narrative do they do supernatural things well the uh the the actual um gimmick that represents it we call it unnatural because the word supernatural was kind of too big to fit on the card so i said now we'll just call it unnatural but their abilities um pretty much they have a a built-in no sell ability there's a there's a a one-shot card that you can play that we allows you to no sell um a bonus but these guys have it built in so kind of like you know characters like the undertaker you know you smack him over the head with a chair and he just looks at you that type of uh, ability exists in that type of gimmick and there's also one that will stop like weapons and whatnot. But the, the no sell is is the really powerful because you could no sell somebody's finisher, which is usually the highest bonus. Some someone speak to this notion then, because I feel like them having an ability that's that's the one shot ability, right? An unnatural card makes me feel like people are gonna be gravitate towards that because they feel like they got the upper hand. So what in the game balances that out? Oh, that's a great. That's absolutely a great question because it speaks to one of the core game mechanics. So w- w- there, there's got to be a currency that's involved in the game, and that currency is actually the we call it crowd points. It's the level of if you're a face, it's the level of popularity you have, and if you're a heel, it's the le- level of heat that you have. So y- by doing certain things over the course of the game, anytime that you're in a match, you're going to gain or you're going to gain heat. You're going to gain pop. <clears throat> And that is actually what you use to fuel those abilities. So it balances that out. It creates an economy within the game. It's not a, it's not an unlimited commodity either. 
the amount of heat and pop that's available during a match or during an event. So uh, the game <clears throat> probably should set, step back a little bit. So the, the game itself is, is structured. You, you play through 12 weeks, 12 events um, that are that are clearly defined. And each time, each week, you kind of go through like you each um, cycle ends ends with a pay-per-view. And over the course of those, you're going to have a bunch of different things happening. Are all the players wrestling superstars? Are um, are, are champions defending their titles this night that during this event? Uh, are there any feuds in play or, you know, and, and all of those things generate what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an analog for the um, for the excitement that happens at an event, you know you're going to have a lot more excitement over a Monday night raw. Sorry, WWE for using copyrighted materials, you know, over a, an untelevised Tuesday night event afterwards. Right. Right. So there's a pool of crowd points that you're able to draw <laughs> from and earn during, over the course of, of, uh, of an event. And that's what fuels it. And, and you have to be strategic about how you earn that stuff. Um, and you can't, if you're a face, you can do things in the game or things can happen to you in the game that drop heat on you and you know there, there's cards that you can get hit with that you know oh hey you you were caught being mean to a fan one of my favorite ones um randy I, or, or yeah randy yeah exactly <laughs> or like, this is my favorite card and i only because similar to john's comment a few minutes ago when i saw the artwork for it i i am i was in tears laughing um which is the late night controversy and you know our late night controversy card if you haven't seen it it's of one of our superstars mooning a late night TV host <laughs> on on air, and that gains you heat. And if you're if you're a if you're a, a heel, awesome, that's great. You you just got more crowd points. But if you're if you're a face and you do that, well, you know what, you're you're kind of in trouble, and you could potentially turn to heel and have down, uh, downstream consequences. So there like you said there there is a hey what what stopped you from using that or what why would you gravitate towards that and we're trying to balance it so all of them have there's this economy of crowd points that you can spend and you have to be careful about it because there's a lot of things that you can do with your crowd points and and ways that they can be stolen as well oh stolen let me throw in a couple more things here so there are currently 12 gimmicks in the game and there will be more in expansions but you've got, there's one gimmick we call of a thousand holds. So it allows you to acquire more signature holds than the average wrestler is allowed to play. There is not of this world, which allows you to, again, different style of moves. We haven't talked about the styles real quick. Uh, you got your brawler and he is specializes in strikes. You've got your technician specializing in submission. You got your flyer submission, sub, specializing in aerial and you got your grappler specializing in grapple moves. So those are the four families of moves that we have. And each style has their strong side and their weak side. And then the other two are average. So different gimmicks will be work better for certain combinations with different styles. And uh, so it's a matter, there are so many combinations in conjunction with uh, the crowd points. You'll have, you'll find... <sighs> 
not there's not one gimmick that's better than all of them. They all have their strong points and can be used with totally different strategies. That's what we love to do about this game. It is a strategic game. It's not just uh, mindless. You do have to, you don't have to be strategic if you don't want to be, but there is benefit to being strategic. But to take that mechanism can sometimes thwart that strategy, and that can be frustrating to some people. But Overall, it's fun to be able to like you're thinking several moves ahead and you're just about to come to this climax and then all of a sudden, boom, you get hit with this. Oh, yeah, yeah, he'll he'll turn or you get hit with the DQ risk. And then all of a sudden that whole house of cards comes crumbling down. Got you. So the politics from real life wrestling takes precedent, you know, like oh, you won your first contenders match. And then all of a sudden GM comes out and be like, you're going to have to fight for it again tonight. I mean, after you already proved yourself, stuff like we, that. Yeah, we've got we have these angle cards, and those kind of represent the will of Dave. And like one that everybody hates is called repackaged because it makes you get rid of your gimmick. So if you've really, you know, uh, you're really tied to this, you love being who you are, then all of a sudden you get hit with a repackaged. Either they can come up during the roll call phase, or another player could play it on you. And then all of a sudden, we have a rule right now where you have to to. Everybody has like attire slots, but when you were repackaged, you can only keep two of your attire out of the potential six. Um, because in you know real life, most wrestlers don't carry over the same look from one gimmick to another. They, they might have similar things, but not everything. So you, you may end up losing some of your uh, attire that you've acquired over time. Um, and, you know, sometimes people fall into the strategy where like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this because I have this ability and this power. And then all of a sudden you have to take on a whole new one and you have to get used to that. For example, what I referenced earlier that of a thousand holds or the not of this uh, world, those, if you lose those gimmicks, you lo lose the perks you gained along the way. So if you had, normally you can only have two signature holds and play at a time, but those cards would allow you to have more. If you lose that gimmick, you lose those excess cards that you had in place. So that could really knock somebody's bonus down. Oh, wow. That kind of messes up your whole season then. Can, uh, when you have more than three, so the game itself is built from three to six players, but can you have more? And if you do have more, can players team up and pick on one person or pick on a team? Well, uh, I wouldn't think you would want to have more than six only because it becomes <laughs> six is kind of pushing it when it comes to the amount of time it takes to play. Um, the reason it's three is because you always have to have a commentator that's not invested in the match. Otherwise, because there are certain things like uh, there's a feud called uh, special guest referee and whoever you know, the commentator is the guest referee in a match and they can call all the DQ risks. So you wouldn't want to have just a two player game where the guy who is the commentator that time could just win by make himself win by disqualification. And there are several other examples. That's just one, but it has to be minimum three players. As far as teaming up goes, you can just play one shots. You could all just go after one guy to really stop him from progressing. It's not like you're a tag team or anything. And there's, this is one of those points of contention where I have a uh, very uh, reserved confidence when it comes to tag team options in this game. Corey has different thoughts on that. Um, but we do have, uh, the ability where you can have somebody else help you. So like you could, let's say your rank is too low and you can't beat the guy you're up against. You could say, Hey, uh, can you give me a hand in this match and I'll give you some gear? Cause at the end of every match, you draw three, you know, three gear cards, face up one, two, three and a fourth, if it's submission. And you might give one of those cards as a reward to somebody else for helping you. And they can run in and they can hit 
your opponent with one move, whether it's your finisher, whether you're coming in and slapping them with your title belt, whatever. Um, and we also have the stable card, which allows you to actually get superstars out of the discard deck and have them be on your side. We, we kind of developed that one because if you're stuck in a three-player game with two heels versus a face, you might find it very difficult to progress because the two heels are going to help each other and not the face. Because if you help a face, you acquire pop and you can turn your faction. And uh, so we decided the way to balance out odd player games is to add the stable. So now you can go through that discard pile of superstars and you can select two of them. They're now out of rotation. You're not wrestling them, but they're working with you and they can interfere in your matches on your behalf to boost your bonus artificially. Ah, okay. Okay. One of the cool things I liked about the, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever played it, but uh, Sons of Anarchy came out with a game. And they had these these cards that you'd lay down, and the object of the game was become most powerful and the most richest, right? So they had these like little dollar bill cutouts, and they had you had your team traveled around charming. Each card had like a little thing. One of the cool things about the game, though, one of the cool components was in any given situation that you found yourself in, either buying property, exchanging property, or extorting someone, you could always you you have the benefit of negotiating with other players. So like if it was between you, if a prompt put you in conflict between you and another player and you either had to go rob them or you had to pay them money because they had you at gunpoint, you could, if you had more than two players, you, you had the option to talk to another player and negotiate on on your behalf to either loan you money, loan you drugs, or loan you something to get you out of the situation. Or like they paid them and then you paid them back with interest on another time. I always thought that was a pretty cool, pretty cool component to have because because it it maximized the amount of cooperation and collaboration within the game. It really made you feel like you were part of that, you know, criminal element inside the show. Right, because every time something would come up, they would have to go out, find sources, call someone, get this person, you know, get Penny to pay Paul and get Paul to loan you this and you pay them back with interest to get them out of a jam. So, you know, Clay could do this one thing for the Russians so they wouldn't kill everybody in your club. Uh, I would say, like I said, the closest thing we have to negotiation is what I just highlighted, where if you're in a match, I mean, you could do other things. I mean, typically you have your own hand of cards and you're not showing it to anybody. But if you wanted to work with somebody, there's no rule that says that, you know, two players can't sit right next to each other and show each other what they've got in their hand and be like, hey, dude, why don't you play this in this match for me? There's nothing that's going to stop that. It is, you know, a one one player wins type of game, though. You're not really right. you're not going to win as a team. It's not a really a, it's not a cooperative victory like some games are. It is, you know, only one. One person can win the game at the end, um, but you can work with each other along the way if you'd like to. Yeah, like a road to WrestleMania thing. Like we're gonna team up tonight because these two are being jackasses. But you know, when this is over with, I'll see you next week. Type of thing. What about? Okay, so let's talk about match types. How many match types are in the game? I, I'm I'm always fascinated with wrestling games when it comes to like cards and tabletops. And one of the things that always excites me are the different types of match, like the matches that you guys can have. Well, typically, the only time you're going to see anything outside of a normal match is a pay-per-view. Okay. That was just a weird blurb there. I don't know what happened. Um, so, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, something just drastically happened in my end with the volume. But um, as far as match types are concerned, every match is normal. 
But if you get into a feud with a superstar, you will combat them one event after another, and then it will culminate at the pay-per-view as a special match. Um, and there's not, like I said, it's not a back and forth type thing. You're not, there's no momentum in the match. It's, you're just trying to beat a number. But the fun part is what happens on the outside. So, for example, you have a ladder match. You've got I quit matches. you got special guest referee, table matches, I quit matches, steel cage. And they're only because you're in a feud. So you, let's say you get into a feud with a superstar. After the first event, nothing special happens. But every time, instead of switching the superstar you wrestle from one event to the other, it's the same superstar. So you're building up this friction between the two of them. And if you win while you're in a feud, you get extra rewards at the end of the match. Typically, you get uh, a crowd point, gear, and match points for every time you win. And extra rewards allow you to get one more of those. And when you get to the pay-per-view, that's when the feud ends and it culminates in that special match. And certain wrestling styles, certain gimmicks and whatnot will have special bonuses like the ladder match. You'll, if you're an extremist gimmick or if you're a flyer style, you'll get a bonus in that match. If you lose that match by five or more, you become injured, which means you have to tap out a move for a whole round so that bonus doesn't apply towards you. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's not really – it, the focus of the game is not the wrestling matches. As strange as that may sound in a wrestling game, the focus <laughs> – the game the, the, the game is four phases. There's roll call, drama, the match, and then jobber security, which is a discard phase. So the, the game really focuses around this, the wrestling story and not so much just the wrestling match. Now, there is – there's one – other match that Mike is is uh, not not forgotten, but I think it, it becomes it becomes central to it is which is I mean the the ultimate goal of the game is to move up through the ranks and and earn the DWC um, World Championship. Now there's three belts that you can win. There you have for each phase. So you have your opener phase. You get the TV Championship. You earn that. You get some special you get some special uh, abilities. Um, you get the National Championship at the mid carter if you challenge and beat the mid card. And if you get to the main event tier and challenge the main of or the challenge the world uh, world um, world champion, you get the world championship belt. And then you have to defend that. So in, in, in when you start the game, each of those belts is held by a superstar. You know, obviously the, those belts are always held by somebody, and they have to defend those belts depending on the event that you're in. Um, if you're at that tier and you want to go challenge them, so this is you know this is another, another type of uh, match. You go and challenge them. Now you get the title belt. Or, well, guess what? You've got to defend that belt now every time an event dictates that you defend it. So you get to a pay-per-view where you're the um, you know, national champion, let's say. Well, guess what? Mike's Mike's got that belt. And I I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling proud and good to quote John Malkovich in uh, in rounders. I come in strong like bull. I can, I can challenge him. Now you've got what is an anomaly for the game, which you don't, it's not the main aspect of the game. Like Mike said, it's not about the match, but you do have the opportunity to wrestle each other. And this, this, this doesn't culminate in that, you know, in, in, you know, us getting on the floor and, and getting into our moves, but it does actually there, you know, there's a, it's different. Cause you're not just challenging a superstar. Now you're really getting into it. And all those moves that both of you have accumulated over the game come into play. And that, that becomes, it becomes fascinating to see just how how competitive the game becomes when at that point in time you go, oh god, we got two people actually going at it. That sounds awesome. No, it's it's actually refreshing that the game really doesn't revolve around winning the match. It's more of a 
get together, have fun type thing. Um, so maybe you guys are saving it for an expansion. And one of the things that I noticed, which guys Carter already bumped up against, was tag team element. So is that is that coming to a to a diabolical days rumble throwdown uh, near you, or was there a specific reason why tag team was opted out? Uh, Corey thinks that he, there's a way we can do it. I personally wanted to reserve it because we want to turn the diabolical Daves into not just rumble throwdown. I, I envision other styles of games. Like I have one where I have an idea where you're going to be the manager and you're going to manage wrestlers and teams. And in this other game, I was going to have it where you have those tag teams and singles matches available and it would be a different style. It probably be more like a deck builder style game. Um, but I, we've, we've tossed this idea around having odd numbers of players would make, make it be problematic. That's kind of we, why we just brought in the stable. Um, just the, having more titles would be another factor. Um, and then and the thing is this, there's, it's not, uh, it's not a back and forth momentum type match. So there's like, Oh, not like I'm tagging in and tagging out. The match is just pretty much here's the superstars number. You have to beat that number. Oh, my number is low or my number right. is high. And then, then other factors from the outside, like one shots or weapons come into play in order to change those numbers. So I guess that's kind of the momentum, but the tag team match to me would be like, there's no tagging going on. And if, and if there was to be tagging, how would, how would the final number be? Like if I, if I'm a, a rank 10 and my tag team partners are rank 30, uh, just, it doesn't, to me, it just doesn't work. It, the game doesn't feel like it was designed for that, but Corey might have some other ideas on that, but I don't know. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away. Cause I think we we're still talking about it and you know, who knows if it comes down to it in a couple of years where we're like, Hey, we figured out how to do this. But I would say that, you know, when people get this game, I hope that just like house rules happen in D&D &D and all sorts of board games, I would love to hear somebody say, hey, I came up with a way to do tag teams and here's how we pulled it off. Because if somebody says that to us, well, that means we sold a game, which would be awesome. Um, you know, even one would be great. I don't even have a copy of it yet. Mike, Mike won't let me have a copy quite yet. He holds <laughs> on to those cards. It's mine. <laughs> but... I would love, I honestly, that would be the culmination for me is to hear somebody say, Hey, I figured out, this is how we pulled tag teams off in the game. We, we made up this rule set and this is how we did it. I, I would actually love to see that. That would be, that would be fun to hear and fun to see. So um, I think it's possible within the rules. I think that it all comes down to just getting creative about them and, and bending them to, to the will. And honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came up with a way to do momentum inside the game and that's fine. And, and you know, we play it a certain way. Um, you know, just like people, I mean, I, I'll go back to the classic and, and I've, I've literally seen shouting matches over this. Um, I have a, I have a really good friend. We all have a really good friend, uh, who is maniacal about monopoly. Right? He is, <laughs> he, his family has, has on Christmas and on, on new year's and everything, they play monopoly for money and oh, wow. they have rules set for monopoly that are those things are carved into slate pieces of just stone in the, in the living room of the grandmother's house, right? Like that they, they have rules that you, and you have to play abide by those rules. Um, you know, and, and are they the actual rules? No, they're not. They're, they're house rules. Um, but that's how they play it. And that I, I'd say that in any game, the rules are fungible. Um, Mike and I have taken turns DMing and John actually too has have taken turns DMing 
um, role playing. And I think we if we were all to to play the same system, we'd all treat the rules slightly differently. Um, you know, Mike is Mike is going to be the one who's the hard ass about looking at the book and getting it right where John and I are a little bit more loosey goosey with the rules. And, and as long as it, it pushes the narrative forward and there's no wrong answer to that. Um, right. So, you know, just, Hey, if you're having fun and you guys all agree upon it, cool, go for it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's no matter what game you're talking about, whether it's pitch on cards or monopoly or DDRT. And our, I think our rule book is longer than monopolies at this point. So uh, <laughs> by, by a few pages, um, you know, hey, have fun with it. That, that That's the ultimate uh, point that I'd like to make. Don't be surprised if that person who figures it out is me. <laughs> hey, listen, you, you got to share it with me so I can go back to Mike and say there was a way to do it. I told you. Lies. So, for, so from what I watched from the video uh, this morning when I was prepping for the show was was uh, that system that Mike had just mentioned um, where there's basically some type of rating that moves up and down and it can be affected. I watched, I don't know if Mike, that was you in the video. It was. Okay. So when you, when you played that one card, you had mentioned that, you know, this person's rating was a, I believe it was a 12 and you were at like an eight, but you know, wait, then there's like the whole weaknesses, right? Where uh, grapplers are weak against or weak or strong against aerial and that gave you like a plus two which moved you up to what whatever number that the other one what the other character was on so i kind of felt like you know i was like okay so there's like some type of modifier in the game modifiers are really cool for these types of games um for for the many that i've played over the years because they allow you to move up and down in scale now, while I don't have a copy of it, you guys you know I'm, I'm more equipped to tell me about it than, than I can. But in most, most games that have modifiers like that on some type of rating that gives you a strategic or tactical advantage, a lot of people make house rules based off those modifiers. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure you guys have done the same in D&D, right? Like when everybody is playing a hardcore campaign for two and a half hours and someone has to go to the bathroom, there's always that one asshole that makes them roll for it, right? <laughs> And that's a modifier. <laughs> Thank God Mike's never done that for us. The, the amount of beverages that are consumed at a, uh, any given D and D section uh, session, whether alcoholic or not is, is legendary in its own right. <laughs> they don't show up, show up with Cathers. Yeah, no, but it, it was, it was cool. I like the weaknesses against the different style types. Uh, I guess I bring that up as we didn't talk about it earlier when we we're talking about style types. And the superstars have different bonuses and weaknesses. So each style has their own. So the character, the, the actual player, maybe we should get into this creator wrestler thing. Cause I know we had, we've, we've heard about this from several um, sources. You playing the game are creating your own wrestler on the fly. By having, having a styling, having a gimmick, you're creating somebody out of thin air and you're having fun with it. We do have a superstar mode where if you don't want to be creative, you just want to pick a card from the superstar deck and play as that wrestler, everybody has to do it. It's not like one person can, one person can't. Then we've got two other options we're going to be, or maybe three other things we're going to be doing. We've got, and I may regret saying this, but we do have a private signup form for indie wrestlers that want to lend their likeness to an expansion. So we, we kind of put it out there and I think we maybe have, I don't know, maybe 20 at, at, at this point. Uh, we have an individual named David and he's really rallied some indie wrestlers towards us. 
Um, and that would be for another expansion. But uh, as a stretch goal, we're considering the idea of having it where somebody can say, hey, you know, I'm going to pay this amount of money and, and they're going to help us develop a superstar um, for the game. And we have to keep that balanced because we have to work in fours because there are four styles and we like to keep the number of superstars that have bonuses against certain styles in balance. So that way there's no particular style that is has an advantage against the superstar deck. Uh, and then the last thing is, I know on uh, drive through cards, they have the ability to create basic where, where somebody from the outside could create their own cards. So we would provide all the backgrounds. They would have to provide the image and then they could create their own cards on that website and buy it and it'd be part of their own game and not something for sale. Wow. Maybe we should have led with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'll I'll uh, I'll give I'll give DCW a shout out with your permission. Might have some success with some of the local talent around here. Yeah, we we it's not every it's not guaranteed that everybody's going to be involved because we want to take a we don't want to have too many characters that are the same. We gotcha. want to avoid certain names that might be borderline, you know, copyright infringement. Um, people have to lend their likeness, so there are legal forms that have to be signed. So there, it's going to be not everybody's going to be involved. It will, we will be selective of it. Um, but yeah, the DWC are, is the diabolical wrestling council. And there's part of the story we're not going to reveal yet because it'll come through the expansions. But uh, the first, we have two expansions that we're planning. One of them is going to be pretty much called diabolical Dave's dark sides. And it's going to introduce some less kid friendly elements Um like cards that have to do with, you know, broken bones and drug use and in-ring uh, accidents, we'll say, um, and more external events, like maybe, you know, being arrested and just things that are not typical to the, uh, what you would see if, as a fan, but maybe somebody, something you would hear or see as a fanatic or somebody that read a magazine back in the days or now, you know, all these internet sites with wrestling, wrestling news. And then the other expansion is going to be the invasion where we have a whole league of other superstars that are, likely the indie guys we were talking about that would be you could put them in there you could mix them with the deck or you could totally replace the superstar deck and only have those guys in there nice nice yeah um i like the realism one the dark sides i mean if anybody's ever watched the dark side of wrestling on hulu uh which is a common common it, it like it's Kurt Angle getting arrested for DUI multiple times. Randy Orton, drug abuse, uh, steroids for Batista. Rey Mysterio suspended for various. <laughs> that's that's realism to me. That's that's Fact. all the stuff that those brands don't want you to see and talk about because they have a lot of a child child childbearing audience numbers. I but, don't like Rey Mysterio. That's, that sounds rather personal. <laughs> he, he, and he's one he's one of he's one of my favorites. So it, this is this has always been fun with Mike. I, I, I've always been glued to him, man. Like I was there at his debut in 03 when he popped up out the stage on SmackDown. What yeah. what's your beef with Mysterio, man? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. It's just one of those instincts, we'll just call it that. I know I loved him just because of the old um, the old wrestling video games back when he first came out. And, you know, like, little like unpopular fact, I hate The Undertaker. So I'm just kidding, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a like Kevin Nash. He had a really weird transformation period. 
I, I think his his transformations were actually some of the most interesting um, aspects, and, and you really look back on on how ca um, characters change in in wrestling. You know, Rey Mysterio has always been kind of the same guy, right? Like he he's you know Lucador mask and and high flyer and you know kind of mysterious and blah 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 blah. The Undertaker and the other one I think of is Mick Mick Foley. You know, we talked about the repackaged card. I always think of Mick Foley. Uh, I was just watching a clip today of of uh, him wrestling. I think it was Steve Austin as Dude Love, and he and he still gives him the Socko Claw. You know, <laughs> like Mr. Socko Claw. Yeah, you know, so like, he, yeah, you can take away the sock, but he still does the same move because that's part of his repertoire. So he's got the move. He doesn't have the sock. It's it's that's the cool thing about this. Is he kind of replicates that, and and it's you know, looking at the game, we, we, we see these analogs that we've, we've created. And a lot of times we created them and whether it was subconscious or just a mistake. And we've had people reach out to us and say, Hey, is that manager? So-and-so. And we look at it and go, huh? <laughs> no, but yeah, it, 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 that's right. Like you got it. It, it is, it's actually a, a very, very good likeness on it. And it wasn't intentional. I think other than the real friends that we had, like the few people that we've, you know, that, that are inspired by people that we we know and like people who have helped us with play testing. You know, there's there's a and d character in there. And when you see the cards, you'll figure out which one it is. Um, but other than them, like none of the none of the wrestlers or, or anything were, were directly inspired by WWE or you know WCW or, or AEW or any of the of the leagues. They're just it's, it's kind of creative use of tropes. But that's that's what makes it fun because they're 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 recognizable. And, and I it's really cool on the Facebook group to hear have somebody say, Hey, that's so-and-so. Okay. No, it wasn't, but all right, cool. That that's, you made that connection. That's awesome. Congratulations. Like that's just another reason why you're going to love this game. It's, it's actually, uh, what, what do they call it? I think Rob Layfield started this back in the day, but um, a lot of old, the, a lot of the older indie creators and in comic books have, have, called the characters that share likeness or resemble in some small way but not enough to be copyright infringement characters of other other indie titles as as echoes because it everybody the way the the way the mind works especially for marketing and advertising you guys should probably know this the, the idea behind it is to you know sell either a message or an image and so when people like talk about movies and they see another movie they always reference something from something they saw before because that's also how movies are created and games are created and comics are created. Some of your, some of your most favorite independent comic covers are homages to the original covers done, you know, by Spider-Man or Batman. I've seen a lot of those homages or homages from, you know, Ninja Turtles, like people pay attention to that. One of the first things I learned in actually writing, writing business in college, was how you could actually use that as a as a marketing consensus. So like if you wrote something that's similar and has kind of a similar SEO title or covers the same subject, you might not bank on it, you know, right away. But in 10 years, when something else with something similar comes out, you'll be in that top 10 search because your your thing is similar to that. I think I think this game's going to have a lot of that similarity and like passive marketing where people are going to look at that just because wrestling has the, the notoriety that it has in history from, you know, the territorial days all the way up until now, you know, the big franchise Titans. Um, and in fact, I don't know if you know this, but the WWE just actually sold their company 
I love Vince's mustache. <laughs> he, yeah, he's he is a, no longer an online personality. Uh, he looks he like should... he's trying to be my father. <laughs> yeah. He, he shares. He's trying same... to be diabolical, Dave. You saw a picture and said, "I have to have that mustache." <laughs> he, he shares the same boardroom now with Dana White and a bunch of other people that that work for MMA and stuff. I think it was a spite move, but I think it was a long time coming. Um, Vince just got out of a really precarious legal situation, right? With QAnon and pedo being a really big search topic. Um, after all these years, women coming out the dark, everybody knew, even fans knew like, yeah, I bet you he was a little handsy, but it was just something he couldn't escape. WWE has been hemorrhaging money for quarters now for years. I, I think it was a long time coming. Let's so just I hope to that... mention a couple things. Uh, just yeah. to go back to your original point, there, there yeah. are certain scenes on certain cards that we do, you know, pay homage to certain things. Like for the first thing that comes to mind, the heel turn card. That's a memorialization of when Shawn Michaels turned on Marty Genetic. It's actually literally a super kick. It's the same thing, but it's with different characters. That pays homage there. The antagonist gimmick card is a guy hitting you with their spraying you with a. Um, fire extinguisher, which is classic to when Piper did it to uh, Morton Downey Jr. So you you will see some of those classic memories of the golden age of wrestling that come through with our characters on those cards. And th- that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to be like, oh, remember when that happened? Ha, 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 ha. And that's, <laughs> that, that creates the atmosphere it's not supposed to it's not a game where you just everybody sits down at the table and looks at each other it's like you're playing poker and nobody's talking this is supposed to be uh everybody's having a good time and if you're not having a good time it's your fault (laughs) there's some fodder for the smack talkers at the table (laughs) what's the matter don't know how to have fun (laughs) well exactly i mean after playing online like we usually we play every monday night and for a while we've been doing things online using, you know, tabletop simulator or fantasy grounds doing role-playing games. And, you know, as people fall asleep, people disappear, they go to the bathroom and never come back. Um, and that kind of sucks when you put so much preparation into things and being in a physical room with somebody else, nothing compares to that. That's why when people say, how come there's not a, how come there's not a solo play? Because this is not, this is not a game where you play with yourself. I can't follow that up. I, I, I got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's definitely got to be explicit. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, you don't want to play a game, brother. I like, I, so, so the last wrestling game, like I just got done back in one on Kickstarter. They have a solo side, and that's cool because a lot of the games that I have here that I wish my kids would be more interested in playing with me with, they're not they're not solo they're they're all collaborative right even cards against humanity is collaborative i mean yeah you could play that by yourself but where's the fun in that like those games weren't designed for that why would anybody design a game for for like a solo run right those those are for the 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 introverts that that want to stay in the caves or well if you want to play a game by yourself buy a video game yeah yeah <laughs> true buy, buy more of the more the devil's cheese. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd say even even that though, John's point about playing a video game, like I, I honest honestly, as as time has gone on, like I can't stand 
um, solo games anymore. I can't play a solo game. And John, well, I'll, I'll hop on and I'll see him on Discord and he's playing, playing this, playing that. And it's like, okay, hey, want to get, want to get on and play? You know, want to hop into our Valheim server because that's more, it's more engaging. It's, it's more fun. It, the right. whole, the whole concept of, I think that maybe I just, maybe it was COVID for me that did it, like being isolated and, and, and having to, you know, just not have this face to face. And we, we got through COVID by doing, the online role-playing, which was fine. And it was, it was, it served a purpose. And really COVID kind of also spawned this idea of, of actually doing some games ourselves. But I mean, you've seen a major kick, you know, backlash. Now I think that, you know, we talked earlier at the beginning about the number of board games that are coming out. And I think that that's probably a response, like a rebound effect from that isolation period where it's like, we don't want to be alone. We want to get together with family with friends with whatever and actually be social and play and my god i you know we, we've had people ask us hey you can make a video game version of this no maybe but probably you know that's not our goal our goal is to have it you know be in person and and just face to face and 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 have that connection and, and have fun with it you know that, that i can't keep i can't go back to that point enough yeah yeah i don't know why people's first thought is to well i mean i kind of could guess but like they see something really cool on the shelf and they're like i wonder if there's a video game about it like not everybody wants to franchise and make millions of dollars and then sell their ideas so they can retire early like (laughs) well well well, hold on hold on hold on let's let's slow down a little bit i don't know about everything (laughs) kind of what everybody wants to do uh we would be willing to maybe license our characters for use interesting interesting um for one billion dollars <laughs> well like that saying uh, a lot that saying a lot of artists have you do two for them so you can do one for you yeah i mean i mean but you guys did say at the beginning it's not it's not all about the money so you can't you can't go back no now. this is the the one for us and then <laughs> oh, after okay. this we're gonna have to make up by doing two for them so <laughs> no, it was, it's funny over over nice the course save. of over the course of time, we've, you know, we talked about this and we, Mike and I have had many conversations about, you know, business and, and what do you do to, to get away from the grind and not, not, you know, be having to clock in and clock out and all that stuff. And it's kind of evolved to the point where really the point of this is let's do something like John just said, let's do it for us. And if, if somebody else likes it, awesome. You know, if we sell, 50 copies or 50,000 copies. The fact that we got it to production and we got it out and we did something we've, we, we have this, we have this joke amongst us and, you know, the, the inside jokes do abound where um, we have never ever completed a D and D campaign or role-playing campaign at all. Um, Mike as a DM has many times killed us off or, or just said, yeah, you know what, let's go play this system instead. Cause Hey, we want, we're interested in it. The new, the new version of D and D came out or Pathfinder came out or Savage Worlds came out or whatever it was. Let's go check this out because part of the, part of the fun of it, and I, I understand the appeal. Part of the fun of it is discovering the new rules, the new worlds, the new, the, the new interactions that you're going to have and all that fun stuff. So it's just to, to, for us to come and take this from, Mike's dining room table talking about it to having it like when we had the physical cards first in our hands and, and that there's a long story behind that. Like, you know, we could have gone the route of, of having it printed by somebody else, but no, 
um, we have printed ourselves and cut ourselves and laminated ourselves. And I say ourselves, I mean, Mike, there's a reason for that placeholder art. A lot of companies won't print if it has a copyrighted image on it. But anyway, go on. Well, also because he, I, I think just understanding the actual process behind it has really helped us kind of evolve this, but having the, the physical cards in hand, the first time he walked into my house and said, Hey, check this out. We've got the cards. Let's play this in person. That, that was it. I mean, that was just like, oh, we need to get this out. Y you said it, um, Mike. We, d we don't need to we don't need to become rich off this. Getting it out to production, I think, is going to be is just so worth it. And, and um, I hope people enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed building it, because it has been this is one of the more fulfilling things I think we've ever we've ever done as a group. It's 100 percent passion fueled. Awesome. That's what I like to hear because those projects actually last. Those who say they're coming out looking for, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars. People who back this kind of stuff smell that that type of blood in the water for miles away. And if, if I don't know, I don't know why, but people seem to find that disingenuous and they would rather back something that people put love into versus people invested in to make more money because the, the subject of money is so objective. While, you know, it's great for some, it's for the majority a, a living hell and they don't want to think about money. They want to think about things like fun and what can I do with this other, you know, special person in my life or special people for those of you, you know, out there listening who are like the diabolical trio here who grew up together, saw each other transform, rise to greatness within their own industry and have families and all that, all that really cool heartfelt stuff that, you know, a lot of us don't have the benefit from, but it's, it's those types of things that people back. Uh, what, what home do you plan on, on, cause I saw in the notes that you guys plan on, on going into crowdfunding Q3 of, of this year. So I'm assuming sometime in the fall, maybe the winter, what, uh, what platform do you guys plan on launching this on? Um, likely right now we're leaning towards Kickstarter only because of the exposure. I mean, I do love GameFound. If we use GameFound, it would be at least for, for the pledge management side of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough because right now we're at that point where, you know, we're doing play testing and we're getting to that point where we want to, uh, I need to start getting manufacturing quotes. I really, really, really wanted to get this printed in the States, but it's just, not cost feasible. It costs at least, I would say five times as expensive to have this printed in the United States, um, which is unfortunate, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Kickstarter and we're still batting around the idea. I really wanted to stick with probably October, but if it's not October, it's probably going to be March, April. Um, and it's probably because of taxes, but I don't really know yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. I wouldn't rush the launch. It's really hard to fund in the fall because of the winter holidays um, from someone who's been a part of almost 50 campaigns on Kickstarter, um, not just backing, but you know, that's kind of what I do for a living as far as editing and copywriting. It's, it's kind of marketing, I guess, for crowdfunding. What's your suggestion? Um, well, you guys have the audience. Um, you guys got the group you built up actually enough supporters to back something minimal so the 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 idea behind your strategy would probably most likely be in stretch goals if you have if, if you're a comic creator 
to put it lightly, like me, I have a comic coming out hopefully in June. It's been in the works for a year. It's been on pre-launch for about six months. I've got 47 pre-launchers. I need at least three more to back, assuming that they all invest in, you know, a physical copy. But 100 is a good number for just, you know, a single issue, 22-page comic. What I've seen in the ballpark for, for games is twenty to $40,000 at about 100 to 150. And if, I'm, if I remember correctly, the group has over 500 people correct well i think we're just approaching 500 and we've got about 1500 on our email subscriber list so you have more than enough um as far as exposure goes so any platform that could give you extra exposure is fine yeah, we thing- plan to go to board game geek next board game geek so the i don't i don't know what other like specific platforms for games other than game founder there are um, I know there's a UK version of Kickstarter called Kick and Go, um, but that's UK. Shipping is outrageous right now. Um, Kickstarter, there's Indiegogo, there's Game Founder. Um, I don't know Zoop does. I think they're more comic oriented. Uh, Crowdfunder just came out. That's the uh, backers kit version of crowdfunding. I don't know if they do games. People have been, but I mean, you don't have to set yourself to just one campaign, right? So. Uh, Marvel and everybody else has done this. They do it on Kickstarter, then they roll it over on Indiegogo, and then um, I was a part of Lyris Games. Is uh, they created a game for comic book editors where you get to play as a comic book editor and you manage a team, and there's a competition for the the rising books. And I, I pledged to a tier that that made me a created character from the editor stock, like character mode. And they, they, I think they made like six, 65, 75, but they just launched again on another platform. So, I mean, you stand to make a sizable gain from, from games like this because it's not like a comic book because it, because it comes with more substance. It comes with more, uh, more experience and it comes with more just monetary value in general because it is a game. So it comes with cards. It comes with, you know, the play mat comes with, um, those cube pieces that you need to put on your counters. Right. Um, and you're paying for the artwork. That's a lot of people love the artwork for, for games. It's kind of the reason why people buy them. And then you're also talking about expansions. So you're going to throw it out there. So you're giving something, you're giving an incentive for people to buy into, um, you don't really need the exposure. If you have an email listing of 1500, a lot of, a lot of, modern day marketers think that email listings are dead but a lot of specialists who've either spent 30 years in it or who have written books on it or experts who work in economy will tell you that email listings are still the great a great way to directly impact your consumer base without having to pay platforms to connect with people because they've they've optionally decided to hear from you on a basis and you guys seem to make updates regularly so you're not making people feel as though the the value for what they're going to invest in in your project is wasted and that's where a lot of people who get into crowdfunding mess up they'll launch a campaign and it's 30 days and then they won't make but six or seven updates why you're 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 live for 30 days it's 30 opportunities twice a day right because because that's that's the recommended outreach for people in their emails you don't want to send more than two or three a day maybe once a day 
or every other day, a couple times, three or four times a week. So you don't aggravate them. They don't unsubscribe from you. But I mean, that's just a huge impact, but you can roll it over. That's my main point. So my suggestion is start on the platform that you want to, if you have that type of exposure. I'm a big fan of uh, the crowdfunding nerds and (laughs) I, I follow their philosophy throughout. And, you know, basically they're, their research states that when it comes to Kickstarter, for every six backers you bring, their platform brings four. And I'm not sure if those comparative numbers exist for these other newer crowdfunding platforms. So that's likely the reason I'm going to stick with Kickstarter because I'm no expert in this. It's going to be the first time we do this. I'd rather take uh, tried and true information from a reliable source than just put my finger to the wind. Um, yeah. As far as game components, I wanted to just get through a couple of things real quick. This game's going to come with like an 18-inch board, which is where you set all your decks up and you have your event pool for your crowd points and you have your your tracker. So there's three different areas that track your opener status, your mid-carder, and your main eventer status. Um, there are about... I think it was like about 130 cards in the gear deck, which is where all the moves and attire are and the one-shots and weapons. The ring deck has about 90 cards and the superstar deck right now we have planned 36 superstars, but depending on how many people may opt into the creator wrestler type tier, we may have more, but we have to work in batches of four. Uh, but right now we're, we're, we're kind of at the, the 36 number. We've got 23 of them made so far, but we have some slots to fill. Um, we've, we've got, we're probably going to go with around 75, uh, heel or heat pop chits. So they're double-sided. You've got match points. Every time you win a match, you know, depending on what tier you, you get it at, you get these match points, which add to your bonus. There are different, there are different colored play mats that each person has that has a placeholder. You can, you could technically play with no boards at all, but this just organizes it. I mean, the only math in the game is pretty much all addition. Um, but still it gets, confusing when you're like okay i got this number here and i need to have this and that and the other thing so that's why we created that tracker so we know where we're at and and when you add things in the match temporarily those bonuses don't stay forever just for the match like the one shots will only stay for the the duration of the match whereas the moves in the attire are, are there for the whole time and like the titles as well there's going to be one d6 in there for resolving um interviews and disqualification risks uh, am i missing anything uh, so as far as unique illustrations go, I would say we're at about, let's see there. I think there are about a hundred unique illustrations in the gear deck, about 45 in the ring deck and each superstar will be unique. So right now we'll just say 36, um, plus the, each event, um, just to emphasize a little bit more about what Corey was saying about the events, these work in four week cycles, just like back in the day, you had a month, you had a pay-per-view every month. That's yeah. what this is. You, you, on week one, you have three week one cards and three of each week. So at week one, the commentator picks which week one card he wants. And they may have special things like, oh, this one gives me a bonus for heels. Great. I'm a heel and I'm a commentator. I pick that one. And then leading up to the pay-per-view where, you know, all the titles are on the line. Whereas, during the regular weeks, only the TV championship is on the line, or maybe there's like a Saturday night's main event and that's going to be okay. Well, the world champions defending tonight, in addition to the TV champion. Um, so that's just kind of a brief overview of, of the components involved. 
And as far as the updates go on our, our site right now, uh, Julio is great at pumping out these pieces of art. We give him a batch of usually, I'd say, you know, like between six and, and eight at a time. And we give them to you as we get them, sometimes even the same day. Uh, he's on a little vacation right now, so you probably won't see anything new to us for the next few weeks. But we do have superstar art that I plan to post that you haven't seen yet. So we're going to fill in that void with uh, some older illustrations that you haven't seen yet. Uh, but yeah, basically, he uh, he's a powerhouse when it comes to getting this stuff done. And, and we can't say enough good things about him. And, and with Owl Ghost, too, Victoria over at Owl Ghost, she's great at designing like the, the board and the, the playmat. She takes what I give her and makes it a, a piece of art. Like I, I am very, I have very uh, basic skills in InDesign and Illustrator. And, and she just, she actually, you know, teaches me things, which I appreciate. Thank you, Victoria. Um, but overall, I think John's drinking over there. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's over with already. Uh, yeah, the uh, we, we like to keep people updated so that that way they feel like they're getting the story they're getting the story in, in chunks like i said they're, they're getting it as we're getting it we're getting this art i'm like i gotta get this out to people um right. so we keep a spreadsheet we try to balance how often a superstar appears on a card so that way we give them all kind of equal time um and like i said there are superstars yet to be created we, we, we ran one poll where we were trying to figure out okay i, I have some ideas for for superstars and, and let people help us build that and we, we'll probably do it again we're not going to do it for every superstar because we have ideas of our own we want to get out there but there will probably be, be some more uh polling that we do to create more superstars but everything else is pretty much set all the moves in the game they're, they're actually unique. We don't have it where multiple people can get the body slam or the drop kick. Those are the basic holds. They're every, each card is one of each when it comes to the moves. So nobody else can have the pile driver, just one guy. Um, and, you know, you've got your, we've got three moves, uh, three move uh, severities. You've got your basic moves, your signatures, and your finishers. You can have three basics, two signatures, and one finisher. There are um, other cards that help you break those rules. Like I, I was telling you earlier, the gimmick, there are certain gimmick cards that allow you to have more uh, signature moves. There are cards that allow you to have an extra finisher. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of babbling at this point. Going back to the Kickstarter thing, I don't know about the return on, you know, for every three you get four is is something from Kickstarter. Uh, no, wanna... this is this is actually crowdfunding nerds has done several campaigns and this is their own data. So when you beat the algorithm and you fund, um, if you get a Kickstarter we love, they put you on their front page. Now I don't I don't know if they like they feed that to normal people or if they're just claiming people who just frequent Kickstarter. I mean, that's a great number, but the residual is whatever, whatever traffic you bring to Kickstarter, you're going to get 30%. If they have a crowd, then you'll get 30%. So 60%. So my, my only advice, you know, before I start charging people that I give freely is that you be realistic with your goal. And the idea of Kickstarter specifically, I don't know how it works on other platforms because Kickstarter is the only one that allows people to pledge. Um, and if the pledge doesn't go through, then you get canceled and you don't get any of that money, right? Until you hit your ultimate goal. So um, 
always aim low. So like my comic, I'd, I'd really like to turn about 6,000. It's really hard to do on a, on a 22 page floppy. Um, but that's kind of how much that I would like to make for issues two and three. And I'm going to be very upfront with that for the audience. So they know what they're getting. So this is an eight issue series. If you want to make it to, you know, two and three, I can come out of pocket, but it'd be better to have this because this is what you'll get in, in return. Um, so it's, it's all about really incentives once you hit that goal. Cause if you hit that goal and you fund, that's great. What you want is you want to maximize the output of what you're going to get by monetizing it through incentives. So like, I don't, I don't know what your guys' stretch goal plan looks like. We could talk about that outside the show or the episode, but things like, and, and just because you're a game, don't be afraid to, to go further. Right. So prints aren't that much money. Stickers aren't that much money. Uh, T-shirts aren't that much money. If that's, if you guys want to merch it out, whatever idea you come up with to keep people coming to the campaign, because there are going to be those people who are like, yeah, this is great. This looks fun. It's passionate. It's your dream. I get it, but I want some more stuff too. They, it just, at, at that point, the passion's kind of out the window and it's all about like, what can you give me now? And that's the type of consumers that, that come to places like crowdfunding because they feel not only just a part of it, but they're getting more than just walking into Walmart or Target and pulling it off the shelf for, you know, twenty nine ninety nine or thirty four ninety nine, however you, however much you guys would retail it if you if you franchise it out into retail. So always always just remember for Kickstarter, just aim low. I don't know what their return is specifically, but out of the fifty campaigns that I've been a part of, only three have ever failed. And those three didn't take that advice. So the incentives and always aim low as once you get on, if, if you guys were to get a, you know, Kickstarter, we love on your project thing, they put you on the front page of it and that's where you get the traffic, but they've only got four pages and each one of those four pages besides the front image has three slots. So, I mean, you're only getting, you, there's only 12 people there plus right. the one on the main page. And that's usually reserved for people who like, like Marvel was on there, but they made like $1.3 million with their last game. I mean, but they're Marvel. They've had that audience for almost a hundred years, right? It's going on 75, 80, no 80. Cause they had an 80 year reunion. So yeah, they're going on their centennial. So they, they brought that audience that that wasn't Kickstarter's audience. Kickstarter can't claim none of that audience, but even though like the Witcher game or, the Dark Souls game, bringing that video game audience over for the tabletop players who play that stuff. So you got a large audience, just need to aim low and make sure you fund and then just keep the steam rolling by giving incentives. Yeah, I think that that I mean, the first goal is obviously the fact that we we just want to get something great out to people. Uh, the other thing, right. too, is you said something earlier about, you know, the, getting out to the normal people. Screw them. I don't want the normal people. I want the fun ones. <laughs> I want the fun ones playing this. I don't want normal people playing this. I want people like us playing it. We're, Bring me the weirdos. Yeah, and, and you know, like yeah, it's it's. Well, I think somebody said it's 100% passion driven. It's 95% passion driven, 5% glitter. Hey, Mike, I got a question. For yeah. a stretch goal, what do you think if we have replicas of the DWC World Title made? That would be an insane backing one, but that's totally viable, right? Because you can get one of those replica belts made for like three, four hundred dollars. Potentially, I mean, yeah. 
well yeah but your your tier would pay for that so there's a there's a there's an uptick in things that we like to suggest when we're doing like uh marketing analysis for for different crowdfunding campaigns and one of the ones that we always suggest is um drawing people in books like their likeness in your story and those tiers always sell in between 150 to 500 500 and that's just to have someone's face on an image that almost pays for half the book in art right yeah we're gonna probably focus on a thousand piece production run as our minimum goal i mean i'd really like to make i'd really like to make at least three thousand but it really depends on how well the campaign goes but that's kind of where i'm thinking right now without having gotten any quotes Uh, but i'm thinking you know can we get a thousand backers i don't know we're a first-time game producer we don't have that reputation behind us, but that's why I'm kind of putting all that art out there because I'm financing yep. all that art up front on my own. And I'm really looking for campaign funding for the production side and whatever profit from that will compensate for the art. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. I really want to do a follow-up when this campaign's over with just, just to go over like the nuts and bolts of what you guys had to go through for production and, the fan experience, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot. Um, and you could also maximize your, you know, your visibility by reaching out to podcasts. Dude, there's so many podcasts, big podcasts, or uh, just, just YouTube channels in general that, that cover games. Um, I, I would seriously think about at least investing in a few, like, promos to send out to people. Or maybe even after the campaign sells well. Right. Yeah, we're planning on reaching out to reviewers and sending out promo copies. We just don't have that. We haven't done that. I mean, right now, I want to give a shout out to Print and Play Games out in Washington. They're the ones that are making my prototypes now. Um, right. And they're phenomenal. Their customer service is great. <clears throat> I was just emailing them today. I'm actually getting um, a new version of the game um, sent out probably within the week. Awesome, man. Keep adding to that YouTube channel too. That that's going to help you strategically. Yeah, I do some video editing, so I just need to spend some time. We we want to do a full playthrough, but I like to edit things down to to get rid of the dull moments. Not that there's any. Not that there's any dull moments when we're playing, but I I, I know what you're saying. Like, going I, I don't rules. want to see some guys picking his nose or scratching his ass, <laughs> unless it's part of the game. <laughs> You, you'd be surprised how, how often those long-form videos actually do get lots of playtimes. you got people like me who sit there and either read or review or, or even as tedious as working on a new cover plate for your podcast. And then you spend you know the next five and a half hours going through all your episodes and, and replacing and updating copy. And that's just like tedious. So you, know, you turn on a long-form video like, hey, look, it's Diabolical Dave's diabolical trio playing that stuff and then oh my you, god john, like my, my discord feed is is filled with john sending me uh different videos of hey check this out this is how you do this like random thing like i didn't even know that was possible man like this is this is cool and then i i go and i watch five minutes of the of the two hours and I'm like okay i got what i needed yeah but if you think about it though if you watch 15 five minute videos I mean, you're totally capable of watching one that's like 105 minutes. So long playthroughs. Absolutely. I mean, if it was three no, hours, I would break it up. Yeah, but like. No, you're right. I've I've sat there playing video games while four hours of a Warhammer battle report plays in the background. Well, so yeah. I, I will watch 
long ass videos. It's those two don't like watching TV. So they, they don't get it. I will watch eight hours of TV sitting on my ass without batting an eye. It's valid. I wish I didn't want to watch TV because it poisons my mind. But uh... hey, I was raised by a TV. Don't talk mad about my mom. I think the most I ever watched TV was actually as kids at John's house. Like I, I remember the lineup still to this day after school. Like and up until uh, dinner time. Like I, I was, I cut my teeth on Cheers at his house. <laughs> It's uh, I got some TVs, John. If you you want to buy some, they're really big. <laughs> Save me. <laughs> so, but I got plenty of my own. Oh, well, man. to go back to something you said, Mike. That I think uh, if we're going to do a follow up, it's going to have to be after you actually get a copy of the game and and play it and uh, and see what we're talking about before uh, before we can talk about this. Because then then you'll understand like this the dynamic that we have here. I think you'd. If you live close, you'd be a good you'd be a good fourth player for us to uh, to sit down with and play. So hopefully, you have some people like us who can who can uh, enjoy it and you know kind of jump up and down. And I don't know what's what's the most we've uh, we've had cards thrown at each other. I think. Uh, <laughs> well, what's what's the worst that's happened so far in prototype? I mean, I know like just in gaming in general, we had a um, we had an instance where there was a. Uh, there was a paper towel uh, soaked with grape soda that was thrown in somebody's face. I think was was probably the the best like demonstrative uh, thing that happened. And um, what else has happened? That needs to be a card, grape soda, paper towel weapon. Another weapon. We're coming up with <laughs> weapon ideas here. <laughs> and the same individual was was if, <laughs> affected by it too. <laughs> uh, please tell me you got a prosthetic leg in there somewhere. Uh, you're right now, the weapons are, are, are limited. You know, that we've got uh -huh. uh, we got certain weapons are factions, so you have to be a heel to use them, like the trash can, the uh, brass knuckles, and the sledgehammer. But then you have non-faction weapons like the mist, like the great Kabuki and the and the great uh, Muda would use, and you have uh, the two by four, call back the hacksaw, and you have the, the steel chair. Right now, the core game has those weapons in it. Um, expansions like will definitely have more, but when you have 150 cards in one deck, you kind of have to be picky and choosy about things, especially when you have to pay for art for every single thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I get. We, like I said, we do have uh, that that gear deck has 100 unique illustrations in it. So I think people will be pleased with it, though. Uh, and you have the option for a signature weapon when it you can actually it's, instead of it being a one shot, you get to keep it over and use it over and over again. That would be cool. That'd be a little bit more realistic, right? Because William Regal always had his had his bare knucks in his in his underwear. I don't right. know where he stashed them at, but he'd always pull them out of his underwear. <laughs> he probably had them stashed around the ring and picked them up along the way. Yeah, God, I hope so. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah, I don't I we don't want to start any glitter. rumors. <laughs> <laughs> Glitter's another weapon. He's a very respectable wrestler, I'm sure. Um, but his his camera angles weren't so respectable. <laughs> uh, at least not what I remember of watching him wrestle before he was a, a GM for multiple brands. I actually but, liked uh, him back in like WCW. I think his his character was better and, and he was able to exhibit his his skills more. Oh, he's he was definitely a technical wrestler. He he was a wrestler wrestler at WCW. I know that much. Once he got the WWE, it was more of a 
prosthetic. I mean, yeah, he still competed and he was still technical, but the way they choreographed matches in WWE was more less technical unless they had two technical wrestlers from those backgrounds, like, you know, Chris Benoit or Eddie Guerrero or, you know, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, uh, Dean Malenko. Um, yeah, some of my favorites. Benoit Malenko, love him. Oh, yeah. Um, they, of course, they'll never say Benoit again, but I, I'm not afraid to say Benoit. I'll say Benoit all day long. Yeah, I, I still think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's like that debacle situation with, you know, the the golfer, Tiger Woods. Like, yeah, so he got one over on his wife about 23 times, and that's that's irreversible. Well, All I can think about not, is that South Park episode now. <laughs> it's not commendable, right? But I mean, you motherfucker. <laughs> I just watched that the other day, too. <laughs> it's, it turns uh, out to be a video game. <laughs> yeah. God, golfing games are the worst. Um, but it, like, he, he was still hell of a golfer. Like, that, that his personal life should have no merit on his professional life. So, like, when people talk about Ben, we're like, oh, did he kill his family? Like, maybe I feel the same way about Vince McMahon. I I do, too. I do, too. I mean, maybe I'm impartial because I grew up watching him on TV and thought he was a hell of a bad guy. But, I mean, it's just, like, my opinion. When anybody else gets called out for that type of stuff, I'm like, this is why it's important to resolve issues as they happen. Regardless of what position you think you're in at the time, the right thing to do is the right thing. <laughs> Skeletons reside in all closets. This is true. This is true. And not everybody's willing to die for those skeletons to be revealed. You could say that much. That's one thing I was going to say about Benoit was he wasn't somebody who was really good on the microphone. He didn't have much of a gimmick per se, other than to me, he'd, he'd, he'd be exemplary of the of a thousand holds gimmick just like malenko would be and what they did in the ring was their persona they didn't you know do a lot of talking you know you got some wrestlers that would you know their gimmick was greater focus than their in-ring performance but that's how they balanced it yeah absolutely no chris benoit was a smash mouth yeah, his his promos got better when they put the strap on him. But I mean, he he was always the type to go out do business. And he didn't stay in the ring and celebrate a whole lot. He just and his shit and went back to the back. <laughs> I'm 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 one of those conspiracy theories though. I don't I don't I don't think he was involved in it. I think it went ran a little bit deeper because of the way it was snuffed out. Especially after all the research I've done on that. That's why I've never been able to you know why why not Benoit. No, I hear you. So, but I think we're rounding the circle. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to say anything else about DDRT that you want to, just so, you know, you either you don't feel like you talked a lot or you didn't get enough time or if there's anything else that we might have not covered. I talk too much. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, thank you for uh, one for having us and two for having that qualifier to say anything we want about DDRT, not just anything we want, because that could get dangerous and we'd be here another two hours. Probably. <laughs> we um, got close to some red lines, but you yeah, know, we... <laughs> dancing on the line all day long. No, I mean, really, 
you know, I, I think that we're we're evolving so many things. We're learning so much. It, it's the, the the whole world of game development is has just been really eye opening and, and fun. And and that that's the important thing. And he just outside of playing the game, just like even the arguments that we get into, and John and I especially, we'll we'll disagree about rules and and ideas behind behind things. And in the end, what we come up with, you know, whether whoever is arguing about it, we come up with something that that we all can sit down and go, okay, yeah, hey, actually, that worked out. Um, so keep an eye on, you know, our Facebook page, keep an eye on our website, grimstill.com. We, we just revamped that and we're going to be adding some cool stuff to it. I have some ideas about, um, ways that we can kind of organically grow the storyline as well there, um, to augment what we're doing on email, you know, keep an eye out for the Kickstarter when it comes, whatever, it, whenever it comes in whatever form it takes. Uh, you know, I can't wait to, I can't wait to, to see what people have to say about the game. And although, you know, from the author's perspective, it's, uh, Hey, don't read the reviews because somebody's going to have a problem with it. And I don't really care about those people who rate it one star. Obviously, somebody's not going to like it. Um, but I'm looking forward to the people who rate it four and five because they're the ones who are who are our audience and they're the ones who are going to like it. I always say the formula for failure is trying to please everyone. Ah, pandering. Pandering. Season two. I do an episode on pandering, I think. <laughs> My thoughts yeah. about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a really good uh, creative line to live by. Uh, also, something that Mark Twain says: um, you can come up with a thousand reasons, excuses, but never one good reason not to do something. So, thank you for finding that, not finding that one good reason, and making this game. Yeah, it was just one of those things. One day, we were just sitting around a table, and my son says. Hey, how about you make a wrestling game like that? And I just said, <laughs> that's when it, it went off in my mind. I was like, damn, Tyler, look what you just did to me. And that's, that's what inspired it. Cause we were in the middle of trying to write some role-playing stories and it was going slow and it was grinding along and, and, and they will come to fruition one day. But uh, overall, I just want to thank, thank you as well for having us on here and reaching out to us. And uh, I'm hoping that the fans get some benefit from this uh, discussion, I try to do my best to uh, type things out for the posts and Corey will always edit me and <laughs> yeah, um, we'll look forward to talking to you again. We'll definitely give people at least a three month warning before the, the, the crowdfunding begins. So we're not just going to spring it on you and like, Oh, it's going to be next week. We're going to give you a three month lead up uh, to do more thorough uh, outreach and marketing. Right now, I'm just we're just kind of learning along the way. We do all our own stuff. We don't employ anybody else to do our marketing. So uh, yeah, absolutely. join our Facebook group. That's the main thing we're looking. We're, we're kind of building a discussion there. We do post on Instagram, but we don't have much discussion happening there. But we do post all the imagery there. Make reels. Do pre-launch. Don't skip pre-launch. Ever skip pre-launch. Oh, Three no, months. No. Three months is a good is a good time. Right, right. That, that's that's the intention. Like I said, we're we're kind of going by, you know, other people's successes. We're not we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm looking forward to the game. I appreciate you guys coming on today. Uh, John, did you want to say anything before before we leave? Spoon. Never leave home without one, guys. You never know when you come across a lonely pudding cup. Wait a minute. I thought there was no spoon. (laughs) 
Unless you don't have a spoon, then leave that pudding the fuck alone. Oh, <laughs> no, Matrix, there is no spoon. Reminds me of that little old guy in Mr. Deeds. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that you think about it, if you listen closely, it does kind of sound like he's saying spoons instead. Mm-hmm. I have to go watch that movie. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> No <laughs> Don't let him fool you. He's going to go home and watch it too now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you heard it from the Diabolical Trio, the coolest rumbling throwdown game coming to your non TTRPG tabletops because it's not a TTRPG. It's a card game played with RPG elements and colorful art. <laughs> I'm your host, Inevitable Mike, and you've just listened to another episode of Comics in Pop Tarts. Check us out on Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, Wild Only launches hopefully in June, and it is up right now. You can get to it by going to eat.pub forward slash Wild Oni, Samurais, Seppuku, Bushido, Demons. It's, it's everything you want to read about a story. Thanks, guys. You have a great night. Thank you. Thanks, you too. You as well. Thank you.